Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 185, and tonight we are putting two listeners up against the wall to face the firing squad. Because they dared recommend that I watch the movies I, Madman, and Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Who will survive and what will be left of them? You won't know until you listen to the show. Hey, that rhymed. Hi, everybody. My name is Patrick Walsh, and twice a month, I volunteer happily to be your guide. Your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, but as seen through my very gay little eyes. So it's June, everybody. Hooray for that. What a fucked up time we're living in right now. Am I right? We've got a fucking nightmare in the White House. We've got terrorist attacks, multiple terrorist attacks in London. We've got gays being rounded up, imprisoned, tortured, and executed in Chechnya. And you know what? For now, let's put all that aside. I don't want to belittle anything that's going on. I don't want to ignore things that are going on. My heart breaks for all this stuff. I live in a constant state of stress the way things are as it is. But for now... Let's just have some fun, okay? Because, like I said, it's June, man. June is busting out all over, and I hope that your huckers are as bejeepin' as mine. And if you don't know what that means, I can't possibly help you. Welcome to internet memes from, like, ten years ago, okay? What has been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters? Actually, before I do that, I just want to say something. After all the listener takeovers that we did early in the year, and thank you to everybody who bought tickets to see George Takai's Allegiance when it was in the movie theaters. Thank you for all doing that. Thank you for supporting the cause, and thank you for coming out in, in the droves that you did. You guys took over the show for a while, and it was great to share your picks with other people, and I got in the habit of having guests on every show, forgetting the format that I had set up just previous to that. And I'm going back to that format, which means we're going to have one long show a month and one short solo show. We're going to have the guests on just once a month because that show is always going to be longer because my guests love to talk and they're funny people and it's comedy gold. How can how how can I cut that down to a <laughs> how can how can I possibly cut a, sec, a second of that? Is what I'm saying. And the other show is just going to be just you and just me because I've missed this. I've missed hanging out with just you. Because it's great to have guests on, but I don't get to get into the nuancey things that I like to do when it's just the two of us. You know, special moments that we share together by the fireplace, talking about horror movies that we stop making now, but don't serve me shish kebab, or I'll slap you in the face, which is probably made of rubber, because we just covered that movie last time, and okay, that song is stupid. Anyway, that's how it's going to be, and this is one of these short shows. And these short shows are what I'm going to be doing the voicemails. So when it's the guests are on, I'm not going to be doing much chatter beforehand. And I will not be doing voicemails. We're just going to do that once a month from now on to keep things a little bit more reasonable. Because last 
last show, it was big. It was big. And I, it's very rare for me to say, I'm sorry, that's too big. But that was just too big. I know you loved it. I know. But it also kind of hurt a little bit, you know, as the big ones often do. Oh, boy, we just went down a dirty path. That's a terrible thing to say when I'm talking about ba- – never mind. My path isn't dirty. Okay, I just took a shower. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. What's happening? Okay. This is an excellent segue to what's been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters because just the other day I was riding the subway and across from me – I'm reading a book and, and across from me are these two gay guys and I know they're gay because of their conversation topic, which was butt stuff. Dildos, butt plugs, anal cleaning, and the first time having anal sex. Apparently one of them is trying to learn how to bottom, and the other one was coaching him. And my initial reaction was what it always is. Like, oh my god, you're in public. Because what the first thing I heard was, I prefer a softer dildo. And I thought, did I just hear that? And I kind of kind of look at peeking over the corner of my the, the corner of my book. And yes, I did hear that. And he's like, well, because you know, because if it's too firm then it might hurt especially you know if you're trying to loosen up for these first times you know if you really want to get used to that you can't just you know get get the biggest hardest dildo you know try try something soft something with a little give i'm going and it's actually kind of valid advice and the other one is, was saying well i tried this and it was like this he's like well i watched you you just jammed it in there and you can't do that you can't do that you can't expect to do that you have to Break yourself in. You have to learn how to relax. And I'm sitting there absolutely absorbed in this conversation because it was actually excellent advice. And like I said, normally I'd be clutching my pearls and going, oh my god, girl, keep it to yourself. But you know what? Fuck it. That these guys were comfortable to talk about this very personal thing in a completely, absolutely public forum. Good for you. Good for you. Anal sex is nothing to be ashamed of. Except if you're doing it wrong. Which they weren't. Well, one was. But the other one was. But maybe the other one was. Never mind. Never mind. It was a whole learning teaching experience. And it was a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful natural act. Oh, okay. Let's get Smoochie Update out of the way really quickly. Dum dum. Smoochie Update. What's going on with that cat? Okay. What's going on with the cat is Miss Thing has started a course of Prozac. Her tail is all healed. We're keeping the bandage on. Cynthia just left the vet tech. And, and since Smoochie has been on the Prozac, she's a totally different cat. I know she's only been on it like a week. But there was almost an immediate change. She's not nagging me 24 hours a day. She's not eating anywhere near as much. And she's completely mellow. So it's Cynthia the vet tech, which is here to change the bandage. And normally it's 20 minutes of screaming and crying and hissing and growling like she's being axe murdered. The cat, not Cynthia. <laughs> I don't murder my vet techs. No, no. But this time, she just sat there. She let Cynthia do her thing. She purred the whole time. I couldn't believe it. And the other thing that was amazing, the other day, normally when she comes in to sleep with me, she's not cuddly. She's never been cuddly. I get that. She's got a condition that makes it painful to touch, uh, painful her, for her to be touched. I get it. So normally, she's... She's never more than 10 feet for me ever. And at night, she'll come in and sleep on the opposite corner of the bed. That's cool. The other day, she came into bed. I'm watching TV. She curled up at the bottom of the bed by me, put her head on my leg, and went to sleep. And I was just like, <laughs> she loves me. She loves me. And it's all to the magic of pharmaceuticals. So thank you, whoever manufactures Prozac. My cat's part of the Prozac nation now, and I'm proud. 
Yeah. Okay, that's enough of her. What else is going on? Oh, so some of you know I've been cast in a show thing, um, doing a performance at Below 54, which is a cabaret club that is a part of Studio 54. So I'm totally performing at Studio 54. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh huh. All right, you're under it. But yeah, I'm totally performing there, okay? It's this company. They do musicals that have been forgotten over time that the guy who runs the company loves. And this show is called Henry Sweet Henry. And it's not the full version. It's a concert version. It's about teenage girls who are all in love with the same guy, and he's a complete tool, basically. And it's really exciting. We've got everyone who ever played Matilda on Broadway ever as these teenage girls. And it's all Broadway people and me. Yeah, so that's taking up a lot of my time, which is cool. It's always good to be working, and work begets work, because that other thing that I was working on for a long time uh, came back. That project at the Actor Studio, it's a playwriting workshop thing. I'm working with a playwright who's developing a show, and I'm not allowed to talk about it. But he'll write a couple of scenes, and then you know we come in once a month and perform them. He took some time off to do a complete rehaul, and so I'm back working there again at the actor studio what a cool place to work that's the place that's you know you know the show inside the actor studio that place that's where i'm working and everybody all these legends trained there like sometimes i'll be performing the scene on the stage and i'm going fucking marilyn monroe stood here paul newman studied here he performed on the stage where i am right now and that's really cool so two great theatrical things that are going on and it's very exciting, very exciting, and it's always good to keep me busy. And we're just going to stay in the theatrical train for a little while because I got to go to the theater twice now. I got to see one of my scary puppet shows. Yay! I had forgotten. I'd gone to see a friend of mine in a show. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to talk about that show because you don't know her and you wouldn't care. You really won't care about that one. And it's at the theater where I've seen creepy puppet shows in the past that I've talked about on the show. And I said, oh, my God, I forgot. They do creepy puppet shows here all the time. I wonder what's coming up on the agenda. And boom, that weekend they were have, they had a guest troupe coming in to perform something called Dark Circus. And it's by a French company called Stereoptic. And there are two guys from France. And this was amazing because it wasn't just a puppet show. It wasn't a traditional puppet show. It was all projected. It was more like Japanese no theater, which I know most of you are like, what? What are you talking about? Anyway, it – like I said, it's two guys. That one on either side of the stage. One's playing all the music. And the other one is working with a, a variation on an overhead projector. And he is literally drawing all these backgrounds as the story's going on. While working puppets, he's drawing with both hands at the same time. And the thing that was amazing, this whole thing flowed like a movie. Like you would not know that there was a person drawing all this stuff. That's how fast it was going. And it was really brilliant. And the story was it was about a circus that comes to town and it's the dark circus. Come for the show, stay for the woe. And everybody who performs there dies horribly to the delight of the audience. You know, the, the trapeze artist falls to her death. The lion tamer gets eaten by one of his, his, his lions. A guy gets shot out of a cannon and never comes down. And it was great. They had a little puppet him circling the globe like beep, beep, beep. He's a satellite now. All these horrible deaths in the audience loves it and everything comes down to the final act which was a clumsy juggler who can only afford one ball and he's trying to juggle his one ball 
and it's the only colored thing in the whole thing. Everything's black and white because he's working with uh, just pen and ink and sand. The ball is red. He loses control. The ball starts bouncing around, and everything it hits turns into color. Bam! Bam! This world is all of a sudden bursting with life, and the lion comes bursting on the scene and tries to eat him. And then the lion gets hit with the ball, and it was amazing because the puppet flipped over and on the other side. All of a sudden, not only was he in color, he's in like a gold lame sequin disco jacket, and he starts doing the boogie-woogie. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh my god, that ball turns everybody gay! Yay! This is the best dark puppet show ever. So they are touring the country right now and also they're from europe and they're all doing stuff over there some of european listeners keep an eye out for stereoptic dark circus it's only an hour and absolutely mesmerizing amazing piece of artistry everyone's like we're so bored patrick well you're going to be a little bit more bored because the other thing i got to see is a show called the little foxes which is up for a whole bunch of tonys right now and i was dying to see this it's got two of my favorite people in it laura linney gay icon and Cynthia Nixon, you know, another gay icon from Sex and the City and one of my favorite lesbians. I'm sorry, one of my favorite lesbians! And I love this piece. I've read it a million times, but I've never seen it. It's this whole turn of the century, turn of the 20th century, melodrama, southern revenge awful people doing awful things but in that wonderful southern way and it was fucking delicious it was so cool the thing that's novel with this is that cynthia nixon and laura linney switch parts for every performance one uh, there's the queen bitch of the plantation regina the aptly named regina and poor little birdie Poor little abused birdie. They switch roles every time. So I got to see Cynthia Nixon in the bitch role. And I had to say her entrance was phenomenal. And you're so bored right now and I don't care. Because she walked onto that stage in this fantastic evening gown. This black evening gown. And she looked like the most beautiful fucking black widow you've ever seen. Like that woman is beautiful and deadly. And that is exactly what's going on in this story. Which was cool. And the other thing. Which is cool. I'm going back. I want to see the cast the other way because I said Laura Lenny's going to eat this fucking role up. She was brilliant as Birdie, but I want to see her in this other role because that's what she's nominated for, for a Tony. And also, I'm taking Mr. Brad because, as you longtime listeners know, my ex-partner, Mr. Brad, is a product of Southern royalty from the Coca-Cola dynasty of Atlanta. And there were scenes that when you read it just never really came through because you're not hearing voices for me. But there are parts I'm going, oh, my God, this is Bradford's family. Oh my god! Because at the beginning, they're trying to impress some rich northerner who's there trying to sell some farm equipment and make this big business deal, you know, million dollar business deal with them. And they are just pouring on that southern sugar. They are just so sweet and refined. And oh, you are such a wonderful man. It has been such a pleasure having you here with us for this visit. My goodness, you are just as sweet as a magnolia blossoms as this delicious honeysuckle. And we love you and everything about you. And he leaves and that door slams and their voices just all of a sudden change to hailbilly. Just like Bradford's family. So I'm taking him to see that because he'll get a kick out of it. And you don't care. And you know what? You should care. Because if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a movie version out. And Betty Davis plays Regina. And nobody does bitch better than Betty. And that is super gay. And that's how this all ties into the show. 
So before we go any further, I do want to take a moment and apologize for what probably seemed like an omission on the last episode. What? The show was almost three hours long. How much longer was it supposed to be? No, 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 no. Listen, it's just that so many people called in birthday wishes and all these wonderful things. And somebody out there might have thought that I forgot about them because Michael from California sent me several very nice birthday gifts. Now, a couple of them I had already acknowledged. They all came separately. So uh, initially, I got two DVDs in the mail from Michael from California. He sent me the DVD of the movie Shock Treatment, that sequel to Rocky Horror, and also Phantom of the Paradise. So I was especially thrilled because those are you know great movies. I love those movies, and I don't own those movies. And plus, he gave me a double dose of Jessica Harper, and I adore Adore Jessica Harper. If you don't know who she is, she was the chick in Suspiria. But the thing is, what's even better about these movies that have Jessica Harper in it, that it's Jessica Harper singing. And I adore her voice. Nothing makes me happier than a smooth, silky alto. Don't stop to ask. You gotta find a way to make it last. You gotta find a way to see what you want to say break out. Okay, she doesn't sing that song, but that's the kind of thing that I like. And now some of you are saying, like, I could think of one thing that you probably like better than than a smooth, sultry, alto voice, and that's probably a big, hard dick. Yes, that is true. That is true. But, you know, if I had to choose, you know, I, he didn't send me a big, hard dick in the mail. So based on what Michael, please don't send me a big, hard dick in the mail, Michael. But, you know, if, 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 if he had sent me a big, hard dick in the mail, I probably wouldn't be ta- telling you, because that's for secret. But, you know what, we're not talking, what's happening? What's happening? Thank you for those gifts, Michael. But Michael's probably thinking, wait a minute, Patrick, there was another gift. Yes, 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 there is, Michael. There was another gift. There was a third DVD that came on another day. A movie called I, Madman from 1989. And this was a movie that Michael had called in several episodes ago. Uh, saying that he had rediscovered it, he had forgotten about it, and how much he enjoyed it, and he he volunteered to put himself up against the wall for it. And I was very grateful that Michael called in that movie at all, because I, like him, had also completely forgotten about it. I had seen it on VHS back in the day, and I remember being pleasantly surprised by it, but I really couldn't remember too much of what it was about. So, watching it now was almost like watching it for the first time. And so, Michael, since it is my show and it is the Scream Queen's right to not only change his mind, but to change his rules, I am bending the rules for the firing squad. So for sending me this DVD, Michael, Welcome to your tape. Michael, that was a pop cultural reference that's really modern right now. All the kids got it. You probably didn't get it because you hate everything and you wouldn't watch the show that I'm referencing because you hate it. But they got it and they're laughing and they're laughing at you. But they might not be laughing for long because they'll probably be calling for your blood because that is what the firing squad is all about. Michael, from California, get up against the wall. While Michael takes his position, let's take a listen to the trailer. 
They say that if you want to escape reality, all you really have to do is pick up a good book. Why don't we just take it from the top, okay? It all started with the book. One minute I was reading about him, and the next minute he was standing right next to me. But when the escape becomes an obsession... It is the return to reality that becomes the challenge. Why would anybody do such a thing? Because he thinks that it will please me. What is happening to you? Damn it, Richard, listen to me. I'm telling you, there's going to be another killing tonight. You can't stake out every building in the city based on some uh, cryptic passage from a 30-year-old novel. So I, Madman, which is also known in some circles as hardcover, which is a classier, but not anywhere near as cool a title, is the story of this gal. And she works in an antique bookshop, and she likes reading all the scary novels that come through, particularly the pulpy ones. And she finds this author that she really likes. He read, he wrote this book that really scared the hell out of her. And this guy only wrote two books, you see. And so she's desperate to find the other one. The other, the second book is called I Madman. Now, what's neat about this movie is that since it's talking about these 1940s, 1950s pulp novels, the movie has the look and feel of these of movies of that era as well. You know, there's there's lighting things that they did, like those key lights that Brian Norton was making fun of in Happy Birthday to Me. They're all over the place in here, that kind of film noir style of shooting things. And that really works. Like, the movie opens, and you don't realize what's happening. You're actually in the book. You're actually in the book that she's reading. It's this, you know, old kind of, you know, one of those hotels that you live in, one of those things that were, you know, those things. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a flop house or what, but, you know, back in the day, you know, it was, I guess, it was very classy to live in a hotel. And so it's this hotel, and the manager and the, the, the porter are very concerned because there's problems with this guest, this doctor, you know, there's bad smells coming from the apartment, and... The woman next door is complaining about all kinds of strange noises. And so they have to go up and find out what's going on. It turns out there's a monster in there. And it breaks through the wall and it kills the manager and it kills the woman next door. But then all of a sudden it comes to real time and you're like, hey, we just saw the woman got killed. Oh, I see. That's the girl, our main girl, reading the book who is now seeing herself as the victim. And okay, I see what we're doing here. So there's a lot of flashing back and forth between these uh, scenes from the novel or a novel not necessarily that novel because there's two novels here and and modern time and that's really fun and one of the other things I like too this, this fun little nods to Hitchcock very subtle for instance in her whenever she's in her apartment there's always the sound of a piano being played because she lives next door to a piano repair shop and at night the guy sits in there and plays the piano and for me it was very reminiscent of rear window 
you know, all the sounds drifting in from outside. And I know that's exactly what they were going for. And this was really working for me. But the problem is, like, a lot of these really early direct-to-video movie releases, it, it's kind of, it works and it doesn't. Like, there's so much that works that the stuff that doesn't work gets really annoying. Because, like, I got to say, this gal, Jenny Wright, who plays the lead, she's charming at first because she's kind of dorky and kind of clumsy and not the kind of heroine you're used to seeing in a movie at all all she's almost comic but as the movie goes on i'm going wow you're actually kind of terrible you're kind of really flat and all your line delivery is very odd and your characters coming off is really stupid and that's not in the script that's you jenny right the only reason i remembered this movie at all it was like i said i had forgotten it not quite forgotten it because it had my boy in it Clayton Roner you'll remember Clayton Roner from April Fool's Day he played Chaz and he was in just one of the guys and Clayton Roner was one of those people that I had a crush on in the 80s I thought he was the cutest thing and actually now he's hot I met him at Harhound weekend and I had to tell him that I was that he was an early gay crush of mine but of course it was horror hound weekend and you know not during the actual event it was after you know just hanging around the hotel so that means i was shit-faced so it probably came out like i don't know you know like, and he ran away frightening because he's all bearded and a little chunky now and i'm like yes yes daddy yes daddy clayton and he plays her boyfriend who is also like the world's youngest lapd detective he's like 22 and a detective and he's got this baby face and i'm going what's happening what's happening that's a little weird that's a little weird and he's the worst detective because she's what's happening she finds the book that she's looking for the book i madman mysteriously appears on her doorstep all wrapped up in a nice little brown paper parcel you know like how they used to ship smut back in the day you old folks know what i'm talking about kids today like what people got smut in the mail yes people yes used to get smutty magazines in the mail and they'd wrap them up in brown papers that you couldn't see anyway that's not the point right now and the thing is that as she's reading the book the events in the book which uh are it's a it's a first person story of this guy who is in love with this Hollywood actress, but she rejects him, so he hacks off all the features of his face. And then, to win her back, he's killing people and sewing parts of their faces onto his. So, that starts to happen. People around her start to die with pieces of their face hacked off. And she sees it, either in a dream or actually straight up witnesses it. She starts seeing the figure of this creepy man with no face running around killing people and stalking her and taunting her reading the book has brought this monster back to life what do you mean it's a fictional character <laughs> actually probably not as she flips through the book when she's trying to figure out where it came from she realizes that it's not classified as fiction it's non-fiction what 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 and this movie is almost fun but it, it when it comes to the scares it really misses and i see they were trying to go from clever aesthetic you know trying to get that pulpy feel where it wasn't as gory as as things in the 80s would have been but there's a flatness to it that just keeps growing and growing and by the the thing is i completely as the movie was i was watching the movie i was remembering things I'm like wait i remember how this turns out i remember that it that she's not actually seeing the killer like she's actually killing everybody but 
because she's possessed by the killer. I remember this now, and then that's not how that went at all. I don't know what movie that was, but this ending was stupid because the, forget it. I can't even tell you what happens. Let's just say there's a, there's a stop motion monster that shows up, and I was like, what is that? Things that work. The killer in this is actually very frightening, and there are some scenes where he's narrating what what's going on, like he's reading the book. Uh, you know, he, it's it's his dialogue from the book, and it's it's actually happening in front of him, stalking a victim, and and this is quite frightening. This is a great voice actor, and. When they're doing this particular conceit, I loved it. There's a scene where he's stalking a girl that's in uh, our main gal's acting class. And this girl's fantastic. She's got like two lines. But she's got this enormous red wig on. It's this total fake clown red-ass wig on. And when you first meet her, I was like, girl, what is that thing on your head? And I said, oh, okay. She's going to get scalped. I remember now. Because that's what he wants. He cut off all of his hair, too. He scalped him. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So I, I see. You give her this ridiculous wet wig so you can cut it off later. The scene where she's being stalked around her mysteriously empty apartment building is not only scary, it's disturbing. I felt very bad for this victim. And considering, like I said, she only had two lines, that's pretty cool. It's a very good, well-executed chase scene. And after that, the movie kind of falters a bit. There's a great character. Her friend, her, her saucy friend who also works at the bookstore, is a lot of fun, who I wish had more screen time. I don't remember the actress's name, but she was a plus for me. And Clayton Roner! This is something that was weird with this movie. There were weird directorial choices when it came to love scenes between him and our main girl. When he first comes to the apartment the first time, she's all scared because she was reading the scary book and he's scared and she's like, oh, I'm so scared and they wind up doing it. And, 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 and I don't even know how to describe this. It's this scene and I mean, presumably they're having sex because he is clearly naked, but it's kind of shot from, from an angle where you can see all the side of his body, sort of, and you can see he's got no clothes on, but she's got all her clothes on and she, he's on top of her, but like, but she's face down, and I don't know what's happening because nobody's moving, and she's looking bored. I'm like, what? what? You have a Clayton Roner naked on top of you, and you're looking bored. There's another scene where they're in bed just talking, and it's this weird shot that I'm going, show me. Show me his chest. Show me his hair chest. I want to see it. It's not angled properly, and it was getting me mad. And it's weird because I'm like, why is he always naked, and she's always got all of her clothes on? It's very strange. It's very strange, and the end of the movie is just very silly. And Here's the thing, Michael. I know you gave me the caveat when you called in and said, it's really not that great a movie, but it's got its charm. And yes, you are right. It's not that great a movie, and it does have its charm. But the thing is, not only did you call it in, you sent it to me. I found it on YouTube. I had put it on my list to watch at a later time. And I would have let this whole incident slide. I would have given you credit. But since you actually took the time to buy a copy of it, so now it is sitting there on my bookcase in my permanent collection. I own it forever now. You put this movie into my life forever. I have got to make you suffer for it. And I got to tell you, the firing squad, the firing squad is ready to go because they have not been called on in a long time. Their fingers are twitching. Their guns are cocked. Their cocks are gunned. And they are ready to shoot you into ribbons. But they're not going to because I actually did like it more than I disliked it. 
I know, I know, I know. Everyone's so disappointed. Everyone listening is like, oh, Patrick, we wanted to see you kill Michael. No, I'm not going to kill Michael. I would never kill Michael. He just complain. He'd haunt me and complain about it. He'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you killed me that way. It was a really lame way to kill me. Why couldn't you come? Com- whatever." He's always complaining about something because Michael hates everything except me. <laughs> what does that say about me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But thank you, Michael, for this little trip down memory lane. I did get a kick out of it, and you made my birthday extra special. Not once, not twice, but three times. Now that's some kind of generosity. You're making everybody else look really bad because you're once, twice, three times a screamer and I love you. I hope you all feel bad all of these. You didn't call in with birthday wishes to send me presents. How dare you? How dare you look at Michael sitting over there in his non-shot-to-ribbons glory, just gloating, gloating in that way that he only he can do. Keep it up, baby. You earned it. Now, for those listeners who are new, you're probably wondering what the hell was that all about? Why did you do that to Michael? Why did you put him up in front of a firing squad? Listen. Here at Scream Queen's headquarters, I am always trying to find, like, the next new big thing or to find great movies for you to watch and not be wasting time watching bad ones, right? Of course, right. It's our unspoken agreement here. And there's only so much one man can do, right? There's only so many movies even a super horror fan as I can keep track of. And so, by all means, I welcome your input. This show is just as much yours as it is mine. So I am thrilled when somebody calls in or writes in and says, Hey, Patrick, have you seen this movie? I saw it. I thought it was really cool. Now, normally the answer is, yes, of course I've seen it. I've seen everything. But every now and then, one punk comes along that says, No, it wasn't even on my radar. Thank you so much for pointing that out to me. If you do that, if you are going to be so kind as to recommend a movie for me to watch, I have to hold you accountable. Like I said, this is a one-man podcast. It takes a lot of time putting a show together for you. So, man, if I'm going to be spending my precious time hunting down a movie that you recommended and taking the 90 minutes to watch it, you better damn well hope I like it. My time is valuable. But without risks, there are no rewards. So if I do like the movie, you will be showered with praise and my undying love for opening a door to a movie that I hadn't been aware of before. That's an amazing gift. But if I don't like it, you're going up against the firing squad and they're going to blow holes in your ass. Another hole in your ass because I'm pretty sure you probably already have one. What's happening? What's happening? But what's happening is, I'll tell you, is that, unfortunately, the firing squad has not been dismissed for the day. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Because I received another birthday gift. And I felt really bad about this one because TJ, listener, TJ, zombie girl, TJ, TJ, from nowhere, the girl with so many names, my goodness, how does anybody keep track? She saw this movie at a film festival or some kind of screening or something like that. She was so excited, she bought me a copy. And she let me know, and I said, great. And in all the nonsense that's been going on with this cat, I completely forgot. And that email sat forgotten in my email box 
And then she called me and she's like, man, 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 have you watched the movie yet? And so now I feel doubly terrible. And I feel, not only did TJ call in and recommend a movie, she spent her hard-earned money to bring this thing to me. And I forgot, and for a moment I said, let's not put her up in front of the squad. Let's just review the movie. I said, what kind of precedent does that set? Patrick, you let one through, you let them all through. And you know what? what's funny with this whole putting people up against the wall thing? People seem thrilled about it. They can't wait to go up against the wall. So don't make me the villain here. You want it. You all secretly want to get up against that wall and assume the position, knowing that a herd of men are behind you with their weapons aimed at you, ready, ready to unleash upon you. What's the... Did it just get warm in here? No, it didn't. Because unfortunately, TJ, it's about to get stone cold. Like the stone cold of brick. Like the stone cold of a brick wall. The brick wall that I need you to get up against right now, young lady! Hot two, three, four! Hot two, three, four! Hot two, three, four! Hot two, three, four! Because the firing squad is waiting. And they're not happy. They already did their duty for the day. I'm sorry, I didn't use a liquid U. They didn't do their duty for the day. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sometimes my theater training gets in the way of just me speaking. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Anyway, they're pissed off. They didn't get the blood that they were looking for. Michael got off with praise and rewards and commendation and kisses and cookies and all that stuff. And now they're angry. They're angry. Their trigger fingers are itchy. Probably other parts of them are itchy as well, but you know what? You know whatever. They need a special shampoo, but that's neither here nor there because the movie that TJ has sent for my birthday, this loving gift that she gave to me in the utmost of friendship and 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 sharing and and celebration, I'm gonna turn right back on her and say, "This bitch better be good." That movie is Dude Bro Party Massacre Three. Let's listen to the trailer. Brock, this is a safe place. I need you to tell me everything. I don't know if I can talk about that. It's just so painful. Okay, I'll try. For the brothers of the coolest frat in Chico. Welcome to Delta Bay. You'll see that the party never stops here. Life was a party. So weekend at the lake? Alright! Until the party was dead. The fuse box is in the shed. Can you hold my hair back, bro? Oh, a little help, bro? <laughs> Soon the dude bros will taste their own blood. Brace yourself. Nobody is gonna die. Nobody is gonna die. Nobody is gonna die. I trusted you! Yeah! Yay! You got you guys too. Oh, you don't care. You don't even know our names. Yeah, yeah, I do. Name us. Todd, no, turtleneck, turtleneck bro, flannel bro. Lucky guess. Huh? 
So if you're confused by the title of this movie, there is no Dude Bro Party Massacre 1 or Dude Bro Party Massacre 2. Actually, that's not true. Because according to this movie, a little scroller at the beginning of the film, we're informed that this whole series was banned by Ronald Reagan. And all copies were destroyed. However, somebody, somebody recorded the third installment of the series on VHS back in the day. And this is the only remaining copy. So if you're wearing one and see the other two, guess what? Nobody has. Except apparently Ronald Reagan, but that's neither here nor there because I almost didn't see this movie. No, not just because I forgot about the email or it reminded me about the digital download that TJ was so kind to buy for me. No, man, getting this thing was like, I don't know what. It was like going up against the, the lions in the lion's den. It was like, you know, trying to walk a tightrope over... You know, things that are bad. And it was, you know, I mean, I had passwords I had to enter. Like, I was just trying to stream it, and it just wouldn't stream. And they're like, sorry, you gotta put your password in again. I'm like, what are you doing to me? So after 10 times, I said, okay, there's a digital download thing that I can do. I'll do that. And it just wouldn't download. I'm like, no, sorry, we can't get the download at this time. Like, what the fuck, TJ? What the fuck? So I'm not going to keep you in suspense any longer, TJ, because you already waited a really long time to get a reaction for this movie that you so very, very kindly bought for me. So firing squad on your marks. Because it is time for my ruling. It is time to lay down the punishment because, TJ, this movie, oh my god, <laughs> that's why. I kind of liked it. Oh. I'm sorry, firing squad. I'm sorry. You guys come in. I, you guys are great. You guys are great. Hit the showers. Use that special shampoo and just lather each other nice and slowly in all your special areas. Tay video. But I'm sorry, TJ sent me one that's pretty damn good. I wish I had seen it at a screening at a film festival type scenario because with a crowd, this would have been a hoot. By myself, it was fine. This will be great at a party. So what's going on here, Patrick? So this movie is from a, a group called Five Second Films, and they were doing sketch comedy internet videos before sketch comedy internet videos were a thing. So they've been around forever. So one of the strong selling points of this movie is that all of these people work together with that kind of intimate knowledge of each other. And I don't mean it in a sexy gay way. No, I just mean it in innate feeling of timing and things that only comes when you have worked with people forever as these guys have and so there's a wonderful sense of camaraderie and fun you can tell how much fun these guys are having doing the movie and sometimes that doesn't translate sometimes you're like well it would be nice if some of that fun would spill out all over my face but no i mean they got so much fun spilling all over it was like a full body fun wash and we're back to sexy lathering, and that's totally cool. So this is the story. Uh, well, it starts out with the story of a boy named Brock, and Brock is in the Delta Bi Theta fraternity. Yes, I said Bi Theta fraternity because you know it's a fraternity, so there has to be, 
you know, subtle gay jokes and homophobia everywhere. And that, yeah, it, 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 fine, fine, okay. And he's a survivor of both the first two films. Now, in the first film, it was their house mother who went crazy and killed everybody in the threat. And Brock defeated her. In the second one, it was her daughter out for revenge. And she was so crazy out for revenge that she cut the face off of her mother's corpse and wore it as a mask, hence her name, Motherface. But now, the blood is about to start running again. Because another killer is on the loose, seeking down these boys. And what makes it worse, right off the bat, our main guy, Brock, bites the big one. Because he's telling all this... He's relaying all the events of the first two films to his female psychiatrist. And at the end of the session, she kills his ass. What? Oh no, what's going to happen now? Well, you see, now his twin brother has shown up. His twin brother is going to come and pledge the fraternity and find out who killed his twin. Because that's not cool. That's not cool when people kill your brother. Especially not cool when a new killer shows up and starts killing all your fraternity brothers on top of that. Oh no! And what are these? What's wrong with them? Well, they're dude bros. That's why everybody hates a dude bro, and so it's really fun to watch these guys. This this archetype that just is so prevalent these days. And I mean, there's a little just sense of glee watching them get theirs in all their kind of racist, sexist, homophobic ways and and i say that all, all these negative things but all of this all of that stuff is presented as tastefully and and playfully as you could do and it's fun because you're walking a fine line here you're walking a fine line that all of a sudden the characters become obnoxious but they are obnoxious but they're fun obnoxious they're supposed to be obnoxious and it comes across really well the other thing that works here exceptionally well is the gore oh this is this is spewing with blood and creative kills left and right. And what's even super fun is that as part of the movie, they give you a quick rehash of the the first two films and you get a great montage of all these incredible kills. Now, when I saw the trailer, I was like, well, oh shit, I think I just saw the whole movie because there was a ton of great kills in the trailer. You don't know that because you just heard the audio, but there was. But it turns out all those kills were just from the montage at the beginning. So the rest of the movie was still fresh and that's also smart. Good marketing, guys. Good marketing. And with this kind of a thing, horror spoofs are also very dangerous because they can wear out their welcome really fast. And not everything here works. There is a side plot with uh, Patton Oswald, who, I, you know, when he showed up, I kind of rolled my eyes a bit because he's getting to be a bit... I love Patton Oswald. Now, don't beat me up. I love Patton Oswald, but he just is popping up in everything, and he's kind of wearing out his geek cool status for me. I just, just, just okay. There, there are other geeks in the world, but I get it. If he helped get the movie produced, that's great. I know it was a Kickstarter thing, but I'm sure he helped having him attached to the project. I'm sure got a lot of money in. I get it. That's cool. That's cool. At least it's not somebody that you're always seeing in horror movies. I'm looking at you, Daniel. Harris, I'm looking at you. Eric Roberts, I'm looking at you. Kane Hodder, give it a rest. Other people need jobs. Not the point right now. His his whole plot as a satanic cop who also hates the dude bro party fraternity dudes. This, this is a whole 
it doesn't work as well. His you know, parts of it work, but other parts just like this isn't even necessary. But okay, again, again, it, it fleshed out the running time, and it's not horrible. It's not horrible. And there are some jokes in here that are just so absurd. One in particularly, a running gag involving a bag of oranges that takes forever to pay off, and when it does, it's it's you'll either love it or it's just you're gonna look at it like forget you, you your your face might just I can't. You know, it's one of those kind of movies. It's one of those kind of movies. One of the things I got a kick out of, and this is just me because this is going back in the way back machine for me. Uh, there's a pledge trying to get into the fraternity, so he's being abused all weekend. And okay, kind of having the one Asian character being a submissive because he keeps getting spanked and he likes it. Okay, that, that was that was a little mildly off-putting, but you know, for, for racial stereotypes. But again, everybody seems to be having a good time, and he's. But uh, he has to spend time in a barrel when they tell him to get in the barrel i'm like oh they're gonna have sex with him in the barrel no no no. he has to wear this barrel till he beefs and i thought i misheard them did they just say is to stay in there till he beefs because i haven't heard anybody use the term beef since seventh grade and if you don't know what that means it means farting and that just took me back in the way back machine because there was a girl if you're out there i'm sorry to bring this up but marianne bennett allegedly farted on the playground once in third grade. And in seventh grade, she was still only known as Beefy Benek. It just goes to show you the power of the beef can follow you your whole life long. And here it is, what, 30 years later? I still remember her. I had to remember that her name was Marianne or Beefy Benek. So anyway, are we talking about farts? Yes, we are, Patrick. Yes, we are, because that's what you do in a fraternity. The mo- the humor is l- lowbrow and that's totally fine. The vibe of this movie works. This whole kind of retro 80s thing is not done in a way like a lot of other movies that just keep throwing Rubik's Cubes and, you know, flock of seagulls haircuts at you left and right. No, no, no. It feels almost like something made in the 80s. But And also for something that's modern that's making fun of the 80s, there's not a lot of winks and nods to the camera like, ha-ha, did you get that? No, everything's presented as is, and that's fun. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Um, I laughed a lot. I, I chuck, chuckled a bit. I rolled my eyes a lot. I put banged my head against the wall of bad jokes. And I think that's exactly what you're supposed to do with this. And I ultimately, I think it's a good time. I think it is a completely ridiculous, nonsensical, absurd, your mom will hate it kind of good time. And so thank you, TJ. Thank you for bringing this to me, I the, the the movie was on my radar, not enough to go buy it because, as far as I know, it's not available anywhere besides a purchase. And and so, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was really cool. So I'm gonna lift a beard to you, uh, a beard. I'm gonna lift a beard to you is what I just said. I'm gonna lift a beard to you, brah. I'm gonna chug it, and we're we're not gonna bring up dog dicks or or anything like. That and it 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 because you know frat guys hate dog dicks and you know, forget it forget it thank you TJ you're super cool and I'm sorry firing squad you're just gonna have to go hungry so the next one of you who suggests a movie be warned the firing squad's really cranky and not just because of their crabs and scabs. This one's going out to two very special Patreon subscribers. 
If you sign up as a patron, you get a song written about you. So everybody get your feet to tapping. Step back, bitch. There's a white boy rapping. Mucky from North Carolina. Thought his life couldn't get any finer. He said, I'm a really cool guy. And plus, I really like vagina. He was listening to Armchair Survivor when his mouth started filling with saliva. Cause he heard Kachita Hassan Pfeffer and he knew he had to get with her. He followed her to the Scream Queen show. He said, Hey, well, what do you know? This gay guy's really funny, like a sexy Easter bunny, and now Mikey's an honorary homo. Thank you for the patronage, Mr. Mikey. Thank you for the patronage, my friend. Thank you for the patronage, Mr. Mikey. Thank you for the patronage, my friend. The gargoyle say, Matthew Feingold, also known as Cake Wolf. If you give him cereal, he's frosted flake wolf. So heed my advice, don't make me say it twice. Stick him in a plastic bag, he's shaking bake wolf. When I saw his pick, damn, I was so impressed. I want to get with him so bad, bitch, I made a hope chest. But that dream came to a tragic end. When he casually told me about his girlfriend. But that's okay by me, I'm saying say la vie. You're not the only cake wolf in the sea. Thank you for your patronage, Mr. Matthew. Thank you for your patronage, my friend. Woo, woo. Thank you for your patronage, Mr. Matthew. I'm getting funky. Thank you for your patronage, my friend. The gargoyle say dirt, the dirt, the dirt, dirt, the dirt, dirt, the dirt, the dirt, dirt, the dirt, the dirt, the dirt, the dirt, the dirt, the dirt. This is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore. You're not letting Manuel Miranda. You're a white gay homosexual person. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not getting paid enough for this. I'm not getting paid at all. Fuck your Patreon subscribers, that's what I have to say. Fuck him right in the butts. Rapping about straight boys. Bitch, I'm too old for this crap. Well, we don't have any voicemail this week. I do have some messages that I would like to relay to you. Some emails and things that came to me through Facebook and on Twitter as well. So, the first one comes from listener Martin. Hi, Martin. And Martin says... Dear Patrick, I would like to say that I'm a long-time listener and I really appreciate the show. I also wonder if you could possibly cover the dark secret of Harvest Home as part of your made-for-TV series. Harvest Home would be perfect because it isn't on DVD and it stars Betty Davis. Yes, it does. Also, I think of you as my good luck horror host because I always seem to find DVDs of movies you've covered at garage sales. So thanks again, and keep those episodes coming. Okay, Martin, thank you for writing in. This is actually, he wrote in a while ago, but I, I, I never read it on the show, even though I answered him personally. So let's pretend that I'm answering him for the first time right now. But I did promise him that I would read it on the show. So I read it on the show, so leave me alone, Martin. Leave me alone. And as you know, I'm absolutely planning on doing The Dark Secret of Harvest Home around Thanksgiving, because much like Crowhaven Farm, it's got 
people dressed as Puritans, I think, so pilgrims, so Thanksgiving. So there you go. And I'm going to have writer Stephen Morris back on the show from the Crowhaven Farm episode. And I don't know who the other guest is going to be just yet because it's in November. we got a whole fucking summer to get through yet, child. God damn it, Martin. And the other thing I wanted to say is, well, I'm really happy that I seem to be this good luck charm for you. The things I talk about just magically pop up at garage sales. That's cool. I just got to talk about your dangling participle here and your misplaced modifier because he's sitting, I think, if you use my good luck horror host, because I always seem to find DVDs of movies you've covered at garage sales. I've never covered a movie at a garage sale. What kind of homosexual do you think I am? A garage sale? Plus, I live in New York City. Nobody has a garage. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I know what you're talking about. I'm just being silly, Martin. I'm a silly Patrick. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing Dark Secret Harvest Home in November. Looking forward to it because I've never seen it. I wasn't allowed. So it must be filthy. Ooh. And the other email comes from listener Roger. And he says, hey, Patrick, I hope you're feeling better. Not fun to be sick on your birthday. You sounded so downbeat on your last podcast that I hope things are looking up soon. I'm still catching up on your old podcast and was so surprised and happy to find that in episode 23, wow, that's, wow, that's some deep cuts, Roger. In episode 23, you talked about one of my all-time faves, The Other. Now, I realize that you covered this about six years ago. Yeah, about that. Mm -hmm. And I just got to it today. I know of very few people that have seen this film. When I watched the movie Goodnight Mommy, right away, oh my gosh, these kids are just like Niles and Holland. Yeah, they were, except much lamer. I didn't like that movie. That movie did that. Not, we're not talking about that movie right now. Okay, okay. I saw the other at the drive-in when I was about 10 years old, and it was so creepy. And as an adult later, I read the novel, and I hope you were able to search it out as well. I was not able to find it, and I didn't look that hard, to be perfectly honest. It gives us, uh, it gives a much better understanding as to what the game was all about and clears up so many things from the film. Anyway, I just wanted to say I was thrilled that you covered it. I hope you're feeling better and that you had a chance to check out that blog post I sent you. Have a good evening. I love The Other. I adore that movie, The Other, and it's such a wonderful find. It's a weird, one of those weird movies that's just gotten lost over time, and I don't really understand it because it is genuinely eerie. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, kids, you can go back and like Roger and listen to episode 23. What? It's only like, what, 125 episodes ago? That is ancient history, but that does not mean that that movie is still not absolutely fabulous. Now, he mentioned a blog post in here, and I do want to bring it up because he, he, he sent me a link to a blog that he's keeping um, where he's talking about trips to the movies uh, in the 70s when he was a boy. And this one post in particular was about going to see the Towering Inferno, and it made me so happy. It, it, it's a lot of what I do here when I'm telling not just the stories of the movies that I've seen, but you know, going back in history, back in time to revisit what was going on and how I reacted and who I was with and what shenanigans went on and what repercussions that the movie had in my life. I really liked it. It's a really nice bit of nostalgia and well-written and charming. And if you want to check it out, folks, I hope, Roger, that I, you don't mind I'm giving it out, but I'm giving it out. It's Roger's, Roger Six Month Challenge Blogspot.com. And that's the number six, Roger Six Month Challenge Blogspot.com. So that is all the listener feedback that we've got for this time. But I just want to say something quick before I wrap the show up because since the time, I started recording this episode. This phenomenon 
has occurred in social media that all of a sudden the Babadook is a gay icon. And I like it, even though I don't really get it. And I'm really happy everybody's all excited about it. But, you know, with the amount of queens on my page, and particularly New York queens, my goodness, this got so burnt out so quickly. It's been, what, 24 hours, and I'm already sick of all the gay Babadoo po- posts. Apparently, everybody's wearing it to Pride. Everybody's going as the Babadook to Pride, which I'm going to be laughing at everybody because it's going to be like 90 degrees and you're going to fucking melt in that outfit and I will laugh at you. I will laugh at you unless it's some kind of sexy leather Babadook and it's just a harness and a jockstrap with a hat, which, in which case, rock on with yourself. That's cool. That's cool. I'll Babadoo you. And anyway, regardless, I am just shocked at how quickly I'm sick of what should be a very fabulous trend. Like It went from Baba blow my mind to Baba basic in a heartbeat and maybe it'll continue on maybe it won't but I don't get it maybe I'm old maybe who cares who cares I'm not old I'm fucking fabulous and old (laughs) well that's gonna wrap this puppy up for another week oh it's ended on a down note making fun of yourself Patrick so what is gonna be happening next time on Scream Queens the podcast where horror gets gay you ask well, it's going to get really gay because it's the last few days of June, which means it's Gay Pride in New York City, and it's Gay Pride Month anyway. Everywhere in the United States, no matter what those shitheads in the White House say, and we're going to be celebrating big, and we're going to be celebrating hard, and we're going to be celebrating deep, and to commemorate the gayness of Gay Pride, I have found a gay horror movie for us to watch and talk about. We're going to be talking about a new movie called Pitchfork, and it's a gay-themed slasher movie, and I haven't seen it yet, so it's going to be kind of exciting. Apparently, it's got a really hot killer in it that doesn't wear much clothing, and hey, I'm sold. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And I'm going to be joined by Scott the Seder from the Sadosphere podcast, and also the ever-sexy, the ever-lovable, the ever snuggleable Mr. J the Hon Cub from Life on the Shit List. So mark your calendars, because we're going to have a, a big pride parade rally all up in your business, and I'm, I'm going to be with the twirling flags up in your business, and I, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Oh my goodness. See, I've talked myself out on a solo show. This is what happens when I don't have guests. I talk so much, I just burn myself out, and I like it. I like to be spent when I'm done with you. <sighs> I'm done. Get out. Not yet, though. <laughs> no, hang on a minute more. Because even though I won't be covering listener feedback for the Gay Pride episodes, it's going to be one of the longer shows, you could get calls and emails in for next time. And you could do that by picking up your phone and dialing 917-720-2047 and leave me a voicemail. Or you can write an email to crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. And you can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. Or you can find me on Twitter at Scream Queens. And I'm on Instagram at no tiara for you, even though I still don't understand what that site is for. If anybody wants to take over my Instagram site for the show and just do it, please, please volunteer. I'll be, I will, I will give you cookies. I will give you kisses. I will give you whatever you want. I need an intern. I need an intern all up intern. In turn, and I'm trying to make that dirty, and it's not working. So don't do that. And of course, if you would really like to go that extra mile and support the show in a super cool new way, 
head on over to patreon.com and become a subscriber. By doing so, you're going to get extra bonus episodes every month. You're going to get a newsletter. You're going to get a song written about you. You are going to get secret you know, short films and videos that I'm going to link and bonus research material and so much stuff. It's going to blow your goddamn mind. So go do it. And until next time, until that magical Sunday of gay pride in New York City is upon us, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember that Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Because we got a gay pride party next time! Yay! Fabulous! Bye! I go hunting for witches Heads up, cowies to roll some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches. <laughs> dude pro, dude pro, Mar- bleh, dude, I can't even speak. Dude pro, somebody recorded dude pro, but I can't even say the title.